You're listening to the Christian Post Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Showalter. He was a dying worship leader. Unable to reach those he was supposed to be leading, author Jordan Nabina found himself at a crossroads, unsure whether he could continue in his role. Until the morning, God led him to 2 Chronicles 20 and showed him the way ahead. In his book, Thoughts of a Dying Worship Leader, Jordan explains that reading that passage taught him all he needed to do was show up and worship God with his whole being in front of everyone and just let God move as he sees fit to reach his people. Jordan Abina lives in Napa, California with his wife and three kids, and they have a tremendous heart to build the kingdom both here and around the world. He's passionate about building teams and equipping and building leaders and cultivating creative atmospheres among artists. Jordan Nabina, I'm so glad to have you as my guest today on the CP Podcast. Welcome. Hey, thanks so much. It's my absolute pleasure, and uh, it's great to be here. Well, we really are great, grateful to have you. And, um, you know, I'm a musician myself, and I sometimes cool. have I been before <laughs> churches singing, and I, I can very much identify with the experience of you just have nothing else to give, and you're just before yeah. people, and you you want to take people on a journey with the Holy Spirit. You want to usher them into His presence, um, yeah. and it's just you've poured out all, the, all you've poured out all that you can pour out. How did this book sort of what's what's the genesis of it? How did it all start to brew in you? Yeah, well, I mean, I've been leading worship since I was, you know, about eighteen, and so I'm 34 now, and so probably the genesis started back then, but the. I started writing some of these these things down as I was at a season a few years back where, I don't know, I just felt like I was in a routine of wake up, get dressed, go to church, lead yeah. worship, come home, and then do the whole thing over again. Lather, rinse, repeat, was, right. Yeah. Exactly. And I was just, I was, I was getting frustrated with whether or not I could tell if people were worshiping or experiencing the presence of God and was it something I was doing or... And I just started questioning, Lord, is this really what you had in mind? You know, when you, when you, when you thought of all this, is this what you were hoping for? And uh, as I was, you know, I was, and I wasn't struggling with my faith or anything like that, but I was going towards the Lord, and He led me towards. Just one morning, as I was reading my Bible, Second Chronicles twenty, uh, this amazing story about uh, the Lord winning a battle for God's people against these three armies, and in the and the center of the story is the king Jehoshaphat sending out the musicians and the singers in front. And it was just like huge, you know, like I'd read that passage a million times, but it really blessed me. And I, and I kind of unpack in the book how that changed my perspective and changed my life. Wow. Yeah, that is such a, pa- I mean, I love that passage of scripture as well. It really shows you where our power is, that the worship sure. of God dislodges so many evil foes, spiritual and otherwise. Well, yeah. that that's really great. So talk a little bit more then about how that story spoke to you. Like, what was it? I mean, I mean I've read it many times too, but was there something specific that just, yeah. it, when it did like the words leap off the page and you were like, wait a minute, this totally recalibrates how I think about what I'm doing on Sunday morning? Yeah, you know, I believe that the Lord is specific with us. You know, I think when you open up God's word, the Holy Spirit isn't a thing, it's a person. Mm. And so he knows me. He knows you, you know, and, and just like you said, you've read that passage a bunch. I had read it a bunch. I talk about it in the book how I had always associated with that, with that passage, with that kind of that phrase, 
praise precedes the victory. Mm-hmm. And it's like that, that whole thing we say, we're like, you know, you just got to praise the Lord through the trials. But I'll be honest with you, that's not one of my strengths. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, yeah. I'm not often praising uh, the Lord in those moments. And so in that, in that time through Second Chronicles 20, what jumped out to me was the, in the scripture, God says, I want you to go, uh, take your position is what it says in the translation I have, and I'll win this battle for you. But it's not necessarily specific on the how, you know? So it doesn't say, take your position and I'm going to send this storm or send your position. He doesn't tell him that I'm going to cause confusion in the ranks, you know, which is what happens. He just says, show up, do what I've asked you to do, and let me take care of the rest. And what jumped out to me that time around was, the king says, you know, he sends the singers and the musicians forward, but nobody knows how this battle is going to be won. Mm-hmm. And the title came from the thought of maybe some of those musicians didn't know if they were coming back. They knew God was going to do something. They knew God was going to win because that's what he said. But he didn't necessarily say everybody was going to survive or that mm-hmm. there wasn't going to be any casualties. And what I felt like the spirit said to me, just me, uh, was, Jordan, this is how I want you to lead worship. I want you to take your position. I want you to come prepared. I want you to do what I've called and anointed you to do. And then I want you to watch me do what I do. Because he, I feel like he was saying to me, uh, Jordan, you're, you're not the one who changes lives. And I know that. And I've known that. And you know that. Mm-hmm. But every once in a while, we get into a routine. And I'm playing the song. You know, you're a musician. You said you've, you've sang at church. You know, you're, you're doing the thing. And, man, are people with you? You know, are they, are they with us, Lord? Like, are they worshiping? I can't tell. Some of them are, some of them got their hands raised and they're crying. You're like, okay, awesome. And then other people look like maybe they, they didn't actually know they were coming to church. They thought they were going to, (laughs) to a movie theater. Right. And, but what I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to me was Jordan, you deciding if this person is worshiping and this person is not, that's not the job I've really asked you to do, you know, take your position, get on the front lines and let me turn it into the front row for you to see something that I'm going to do. And that, that was huge for me. It was huge. And, uh, and it, and it changed the way I go up and lead worship uh, ever since. Well, you know, it's, it, and it's so simple when you put it that, that yeah. way, because it just takes all of the pressure and the burden off of you, <laughs> except to be right. obedient, but that's really it. Um, and right. obviously we want to do things skillfully and with excellence, but beyond that, like God always does the heavy lifting. You know, uh, one of the one of the things that I think is most mysterious to people who do not share our faith is the reality of spiritual warfare. Most, yeah. you know, described most clearly in Ephesians six about you know the real battle for us as Christians is not against other human mm-hmm. beings, but it's against mm-hmm. distinctly spiritual powers and principalities in high places, and it's that unseen realm where the conflict really is. It, it it does sound, you know, especially to post-enlightenment, secular, rationalist-thinking people, mm-hmm. it's like, they this is just like, you just are just fighting the air. It just seems like utter foolishness to them. And yet, we believe very much that we are in the midst of a cosmic battle. Whether we understand it completely or not, that's how we mm-hmm. are situated as, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. You describe worship as a war. Why do you describe it that way? Well, two reasons. One is from Second Chronicles 20. I mean, you tell me what you see in that passage. I yeah. see 
a bunch of worship leaders going out to the front lines. They sing this song, just a couple lines about praising God, and boom, stuff goes down. So there's just that passage, one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one is I read about in the book. Uh, it's just a mo- one of the moments I had really, and it really affirmed Ephesians 6, like you're saying, like at the end of it, I thought, wow, Jordan, <laughs> Ephesians 6 really is very real. And it was a moment we were, I'll try to tell you briefly, we were having a worship practice. So we have them on Thursday nights. And, uh, you know, so really we're the only people there in the, on the church campus and the band and the, some of the tech team. And we're going after it. You know, we're learning the songs for Sunday and trying to be creative and all that stuff. And as we're practicing, I noticed at the entrance of the auditorium, there was a family there. And I think they were there because, uh, the business that we hired to do our landscaping, he like brought out his kids that evening and they're riding around on like bikes and stuff around our campus. And his wife was there too. And his wife was kind of, I saw her going back and forth with the open door at the auditorium, you know, like right to left and left to right. And eventually I saw her so many times looking in. I said, Hey, why don't you just on the microphone, which probably embarrassed her. I said, why don't you just come in? Like you're totally welcome to come in and listen. And so her and her daughter came in to listen. And I promise you within 60 seconds she was weeping in her chair just having a moment with the lord and for us it was so special you know the whole the whole atmosphere changed and we were no longer just practicing but we were you know we were in it we were leading worship we were worshiping ourselves it was a beautiful moment and so that went on for another 10 minutes now unique to that night was there was a young lady in our worship team who has a fam- she comes from a family of people who are filled with unbelievers. So her, her parents aren't Christian. She hasn't come from a spiritual background, but she has given her life to Christ, which has been really wonderful. Her parents, though, have been pretty vocal about, hey, we, we're cool with her doing this, but um, that's not where we stand. And this young lady was singing with us that, that night. Well, unannounced to us, her mom, about 15 minutes later, showed up to practice and just sat in the auditorium just like this other lady Mm -hmm. and now and now now i know about this woman and of course the young lady next to me she's in high school knows about this her mom of course and so now the atmosphere is just think about it in in one room we had a worship team we had a woman who was weeping in god's presence worshiping and then someone who doesn't know jesus as lord and savior and it just it was like a frozen moment in time for me going, wow, what, what's going on? Because in one sense, we're, we're ushering this woman into the presence of God as best as we can, right? But then in another, we're battling for a soul just because we're proclaiming who God is. And, you know, we're, yeah. and in my heart, in my head, in my mind, I'm believing for this woman's salvation. And it just dawned on me that on any given Sunday, there's probably that time's a hundred. Right. You know, I don't know. I don't know the, the state of people. I don't right. know their hearts. I don't know their souls. And it just occurred to me. And, and, and I'm not saying it's fact, but I'm saying for me and, and on my journey, wow, worship is, I think a lot more than what I make it out to be where we are by declaring who God is. Mm. We are battling against what you said, referred to in Ephesians six, their principalities of darkness in this world. And, I just felt like in that moment, in a lot of moments since, we were doing battle. We were doing some work there, and I was glad to have done it. You know, and it and it is uh, it, worship is war to me. Yeah, well, 
so how do you hope that, I mean, do you hope to transmit that kind of mindset to other worship leaders? Because that, I mean, I really think that is so, so key because people, when you get the revelation, I mean, you, you come to understand just what it is you're doing. It changes yeah. everything. I mean, yeah. it's, it's impossible to just go through the motions when you, when you realize the full implications of just what, what it is. It's, I mean, I, I just, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think a part of it is for me was stepping into it myself. You know, I, I didn't feel like God said, this is a word that I need you to share with everybody. And that's why I gave it to you. No, I mean, I, I knew it was for me. It was, it was saving me from a future of, you know, I believe, you know, I know how to do, I've been doing services so long. I could probably put them together in a way that moves people without ever asking the Holy spirit, what he thinks. Now, some people may not like to hear that, but it's the truth. There are, I know where the song goes at the right moment, at the right volume, with the right thing, but that's not what I want to do. And that's not what the Lord has for us to put on emotional experiences. We, we need to be in the presence of God. And, and so for me, I think by helping me through this, the Holy Spirit saved me from that type of routine. Like I told mm -hmm. you, you know, wake up and do the thing and right. do it based upon my skills and talents, I kind of want to do it not based upon those things. I'm so thankful. I'm so blessed. And so for me, it was, I need to take this in for myself. And then I just shared it with my worship team. You know, here's what I feel like God spoke to me. What do you guys think? Would you be willing to do this with me? Uh, could we go up? And we, and so our kind of motto became, as we're going up on stage, we would obviously we had a time of prayer. And then we'd all kind of say like, all right, one way trip, one way trip. Like we weren't coming back with that mindset from second Chronicles 20, mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. I, I just wonder, you know, we read scripture, like sometimes like fairy tales, but these are real people right. we're talking about. Imagine normal, imagine just like were, us. Right. Yeah, yeah. Imagine there were you and me and a couple others. Do you wonder about that story? If anybody didn't go, like if there was any musicians or singers and they were like, I don't know, I'm going to stay home and they stayed home, right. You know? Yeah, and I, you know, I, I wouldn't judge them for that. There's a whole lot of reason to not go on the front line of a battle of swords with nothing but, what, a song right. of worship? That doesn't seem right. Um, but at the same time, the Bible says we can't. We cannot even please God without faith. That was a faith step. Right. And so for us, it became like, oh, let's try to step into this where we go up there and just burn for, for the Lord and, and with our passion, with our worship. And let's just see what happens. And I think knowing that the Lord is at work and believing that frees me up as a just a, a a child of God to just take my position and 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 believe that God is doing that. And and in the book, I talk about how the more we get out on the front lines, the more it'll turn into the front row where we get to see God do something incredible. The people who see God do things miraculous, incredible things are the people who by faith have said, I'm willing to step out and see it. And I think it's a hard step, no doubt. And don't get me wrong. I mean, how about we just take 2020? It's been heartbreaking as oh, a worship leader. Yeah. Heartbreaking. I've gone through whatever stages of grief, you know, uh, sadness and anger. Mm -hmm. um, but, but I'm still a worship leader. Am I not? And are you, right. you know, that, that right. hasn't changed for us as brothers in Christ. And so for me, it was, I need to receive this. I need to step into this. I shared it with my teams of people and the teams I get to serve with. And then I just started writing it out. And uh, 
it was a real blessing. It was a challenge. Um, and so I, I hope only just to encourage worship leaders. I know the title when I was finishing it, people are like, you sure about this title? And I thought, yeah, I am because two, two reasons. One, the Lord saved me from missing out on all that, all that he has. Mm-hmm. And then two, it's, I'm on a one way trip, uh, with this whole thing. We just get one life, you and me. Right. And, uh, and the book isn't thoughts for a dying worship leader because I'm very alive. Right. Um, but at the same time, I, there's a part of me that has died. You know, right. Ephesians, you said it, you know, I, I was dead to my trespasses and sins and now I'm alive. I am somebody different, you know? So the thoughts of a dying worship leader is my, my view was these would be my thoughts. Maybe as you and I are talking, marching towards the front lines, what holding a couple of guitars yeah. and everybody else has swords on the other side. Like I dig that. I think the Lord's in that. And he was. I absolutely do too. And you know, even I, I, I ponder this sometimes when I think of events in history where the one that's coming to my head now is the Estonians when they were breaking free from Soviet tyranny and they had the singing revolution. Mm-hmm. They, they understood the power of, you know, of wanting to be free and they risked their lives to just go out and sing. And they would sing these Estonian you know, national songs, but it just, there's something in, I think even the human spirit. I mean, obviously I believe it's, it's God put that in us, but um, I I can totally see it. Speaking about 2020, if ever there was a time of (laughs) spiritual warfare and a time to worship, it's now, I mean, it's always appropriate, but I know as a, as a news reporter, uh, particularly with regard to the pandemic, the coronavirus, and certainly then all the protests and, you know, violence that's occurring in some of our cities now in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, if ever there was a time to shut things down and just take our position and worship the Lord and exalt his name yeah. to bring yeah. the kind of power, because I think people, whatever people's political views are, there is a sober recognition against people who are both conservative leaning and liberal leaning that if they love the Lord Jesus is the only solution to what ails our society. And I do not say that to sound cutesy or Sunday schoolish or anything. It really is. Uh We see our society disintegrating and being fractured and it's broken. And we need God, our healer, to come in great power and intervene if we are to, you know, continue on as a functioning society. And there's, I think there's a lot of things that God is cleansing and recognizing. And, and rectifying even amid the turmoil that we're seeing. But with all the uncertainty that has come this year, um, in the wake of the coronavirus, certainly, but how? what advice would you give to worship leaders as they're leading people in this very difficult time? Yeah. A couple of things. As I was, I'm like, I'm more of an introverted person. So at the beginning of a shelter in place here in California, I was like, all right, like, yeah. you know, let's, uh, well, I'm you know, an extrovert. I am an extrovert and I thought it was torture. <laughs> I know my, my wife as well. My wife was looking at me like I was like a psychopath. Yeah. Oh my I was, goodness. I was like, Oh no, don't talk to me. I, I got books to, to read. I got things to write. Yeah. So in the beginning I, I had that attitude and it was great, but eventually I think, there's a there's a part where we we get past our personalities and past our preferences and it just became a question of what's good for a human person Mm. and i don't think this is good for a human person i think we need each other and Mm. i don't think there's any argument about that 
So I think the first thing for worship leaders would be if you find yourself now that the shelter in place has happened and churches aren't meeting, not worship, not worshiping yourself anymore, then it's time to do some inventory. Mm-hmm. And uh, I noticed in the first couple months <clears throat> that that because my routine of practice and Sundays was off the table, my also actual worship through music was lessened and I needed to change that. And so I just started grabbing my guitar. Sometimes I would turn on Instagram live, you know, and some of the people from our church and others would join me on there and we would worship there. There's nothing about our anointing to lead worship that that's says, and if churches aren't open and you can't do it, right, you know, right. is it a, is it a different, is it a different task? Totally. Is it a, a, a mind shift? Absolutely. But, it can be done. So I would say first worship, worship, worship for yourself, get a guitar and go for it, a piano, wherever you're at or nothing, just worship in the shower. It's and worship is important for the human soul. The second thing I would say is, um, and I, I think it's amazing that you, that you brought up Ephesians because now Ephesians is just in my mind. Ephesians five, fifteen, I believe says, look carefully, look carefully at how you walk. Um, not as, unwise but as wise and then it says because the days are evil and and it says you know we only have just a little bit of time and basically what you're saying and it feels like that now and i think as a worship leader or as a christian now's the time because the days are evil to look very carefully at who we are in christ and how we're living out this life and i think especially with some of the things you said as a christian look carefully at what's coming out of your mouth as a Christian, look very carefully at what's being posted by you. Mm. And then beyond that, look carefully at what you're thinking. Just because we don't say it doesn't mean that the Lord doesn't hear it. And I think now is the time to look carefully at who we are, because Ephesians 5.1 says we need to be imitators of God. Why? Because we're his beloved children. And I absolutely agree with you. I know we were talking a little bit about this before. Uh, the program of just, if you don't think God's up to something, then you, you haven't read your Bible. God's <laughs> yeah. up to something that, that never before ever. And not, at least in our lifetime, has there ever been something that we're not talking about just affects a certain group of people that, that affects a certain group of um, ethnicity. This is the whole planet. Right. I mean, whoa, uh, we'll, we will probably never fully grasp this on this side of heaven on this side of eternity but now's the time to look carefully at the way that we walk um, and take spiritual inventory and be okay with the, when the lord says this has got to go you know and i think struggle and trials uh, scripture teaching james it brings out who we really are and some of the things that it's brought out in me i'm not really proud of but i need but i have the lord and so i would say maybe keep worshiping remember that unity doesn't mean uniformity. We can disagree on things and be unified because of what Christ has done. It's really important to remember we we aren't fighting. We aren't actually fighting for unity. The Ephesians says that we're fighting to maintain unity mm. because unity was purchased on the cross. Amen. This isn't our Amen. our work. This is the church's work to maintain it, and uh, we're forgetting that. We're thinking that we have to come up with the thing, the policy. Uh, it's not going to work. But we're like you said, this is the work has been done in Jesus. So maintain unity by worshiping yourself personal. And then two, I would say, 
And I'm sure there's more, but I would say those two things. Look carefully at the way that you walk, Ephesians 5.15. That's really sage advice. No, I I definitely believe that with the global pandemic and how it has affected everyone around around the world, that it yep. really is a hinge point in human history. And oh, yeah. we will see just all what the Lord did through it. I certainly don't believe he sponsored the virus. No, that's not what I'm saying. But like the, all of the implications and all of the spiritual shiftings that happen, not only in the lives of individual people, but as, as nations, as societies, it's going to be felt for a long time. And if we believe that there's only one direction in God's kingdom— from glory to glory, mm-hmm. then that means that it's unto our good. Like, I don't want right. to look through the world necessarily at rose-colored glasses because we have to be sober in these times, but, like, God's up to good things. You know, he didn't send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it through him, and so I'm looking for his invitation mm-hmm. to join him when, in whatever he's doing, despite the circumstances, and certainly this year has elicited many unfortunate ones, but that's just, I just, yeah. I think those thoughts you just shared were just, just gold there. What other projects are you working on even as you've released this book and tell us a little bit more about the creative communities you host among artists. Yeah. You know, I love, I read a great book, Feel Like an Artist by Austin Cleon a few years back. And he talks about, don't be a creative genius, have a creative genius. And so I love being in groups of creative people. Although can I be honest with you, that word, like, People are identifying themselves as creatives. Mm-hmm. That kind of annoys me now. I think we all have been gifted with creativity. Absolutely. Whether or not we choose to, we choose to engage is, is another thing. But um, I, I, I think it's, it's a wonderful gift. But uh, I do a couple things. I made a podcast for every – I made a podcast, Thoughts of a Dying Worship Leader, and it goes a little deeper into every chapter. So you can find that on anywhere where there are podcasts. And right now, I just finished my first season of a podcast called Next Floors. And it's N-E-X-P-L-O-R-E-R-S, Next Floors. It's kind of like the word next and explore put together. And just asking like visionary men and women from hopefully around the world, like what do they think is coming for us in the future? What could we be thinking about in their areas of expertise? So there's some college presidents, there's some missionaries, there's a couple pastors, there's some worship leaders, songwriters. And I really enjoyed that. And I kind of, all that's at jornabina.com as a hub. And and I'm in the process of starting my next book. Um, I don't have a title yet, but it's more about not being afraid to wonder about these things with God. And like, God's cool with that. You know, you can take your questions and wonders and wanderings towards him. And um, I think sometimes when questions arise in our faith, we go elsewhere to find the answer when um, it's going to always come from the one who actually put the question in your heart. Mm. And so yes. I'm working on that, but that's a long ways off. But those are, I would say, com, and then for sure, uh, Next Floors, if you're interested. And then if you pick up the book on uh, Amazon or anything like that, you can always go check out the podcast. Absolutely. Well, do you have anything else that's sort of um, burning on your heart about what you believe God is doing in this hour specifically for those who are charged with those whom God is if God has called you to be that lead musician if God has called you to the yeah. front lines any kind of sort of I'm not asking you to prophesy or you know give a specific declaration or anything but anything else is sort of burning in you that you want to say to these people who maybe were once at a point where you they realized that I've just got nothing else to give. I, I can't do this anymore. I feel monotonous. This is rote. This is not life-giving. I, I just can't yeah. do this anymore. What do you want to say to them, men and women alike? 
Yeah, I, I would say that the, everything that you're feeling inside of you, someone else is also feeling at the same time. And somebody has to stay in the game to encourage that person. And it might as well be you, you know. And uh, I think sometimes we isolate pretty quick. And I know I do as an introvert. I, I don't get my cup filled by a bunch of people, but just a few people, you know. And I would say keep worshiping for yourself. But then also remember, like, now, I don't know. You tell me, Brandon. Did we need worship leaders more in 2019 or in 2020? <laughs> it feels like now. Mm -hmm. And so don't be afraid to, to get after and figure out what that looks like because it's going to look different. And that's okay. But we still need worship leaders. And we need some worship leaders, men and women, to go, all right, God, I didn't know this was coming, but here I am. What would you have me do? And if we, if we do that, man, I don't know how that... I don't know how that won't be a blessing to this planet and a blessing to the kingdom. And uh, I, I guess that's what I would say. Stay in the game and ask God how he wants to use you, even if it looks and feels different. Jordan Abina, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure.